Okay, we are learning Daf Nun Vav. We're starting from the top of the Amud. The two dots with the Mishnah, we're analyzing what the Mishnah said. And we said that the Yavim doesn't have to do a classical full sense of a Bia. Even if he does, does an incomplete act, a little bit of a Bia. And he's Kona. And the Mishnah also mentioned that even like a Bia Shalokadarka, he could be Kona. That any form of Bia that he does, if it's Shagig, if it's Mazid, he has Das, he doesn't have Das. Either way, <coughs> he's going to be Kona his Yavama. So the Gemara says, my kana, what does it mean he acquires her? And the question that the Gemara is bothered by is that what extent is there in the Kenyan? Normally, when a man is married, there's many things that occur, many rights, different things. But one of them specifically that we're going to be focusing on is the right for a girl, she's married to a Kohen, to eat Shurma. That's one of the rights of a, of a wife when she's married to a Kohen. By Torah law, actually, a woman, as soon as she's in Arusa, as soon as she's betrothed, she can eat Shurma. But the halach is that Midrabanan, they said that until... They're actually living together, uh, that she's not supposed to eat the truma. Um, the reason is because she might, she might still be with her family. If she's eating truma, she might give it to her family who are not calling him. So at any rate, there's such a halach, there's definitely a right to eat truma with a wife to a kohen. So when the Mishra says kana, what exactly is it referring to? So the Mishra says there's a dispute. Rav it's kana for all matters, meaning in every, every extent of what it means to be a husband and a wife, which comes about through yibum. Even from a weak bia, meaning a bia, let's say, it didn't take place with das kenyan. But we're still saying you're Kona for Yibam. Or Rashi explains also that the Gemara is referring to a partial Bia, even though it's a weak Bia. But according to Rav, the point is that it's Kona Lakol. It's acquired for all matters of the aspects of the marriage. It's considered a full fledged wife after this point. This halacha, that if you do a weak Bia, you're still Kona for Yibam, it means for the aspects of Yibam. What does it mean for the aspects of Yibam? Lirish b'nechsei that he inherits the state of his, brother, of his brother. That's one of the things the Torah says and happens in Yibam. Once Yibam is done, then the Yavam now takes the estate of the deceased. So that happens with this weak Bia. And it will also free her from Yibam, meaning she's no longer bound. She no longer has a Zika that she's, she's obligated to require Yibam or Chalitza. Now that this weak Bia has been done, so the Yibam attachment has been satisfied. She's done. She's free to go. But in terms of the other rights of marriage, according to Shmuel, it's not there. Let's say there's a question, could she eat Shema from this Bia from the Yibam? She cannot. If it would be a regular full-fledged Bia with intent and a full Bia, then Shmuel would agree, of course, that she could eat Shema. Shmuel's point is that this inferior type of Bia, which the Mishnah says is Kana, that means it's Kana for the basic ideas of Yibam. Yibam occurred, so she's part of the Zika attachment and he inherits the estate, but it doesn't mean that she has every right that you normally is there for marriage. So basically, we have a Machlokas, the inferior Bia of the Mishnah, according to Rab, it's kind of for all aspects of marriage. According to Shmuel, it's only for the direct aspects of Yibam, but not for all the, the, the not for all rights that generally come in marriage. So the Gemara now clarifies. Minna Nisuin the If she fell to Yibam from a state of Nisuin, meaning she was married to a man after he did Nisuin with her and then he died. So she's falling as being a Nisua. So she already was eating Truma by the deceased, right? Her, the, if this brother was a coin, that brother was a coin also. So she was already eating Truma previously. And now what happened was, is her husband now dies. The Everybody's going to agree that she can continue to eat Truma from this weak Yibam. So even though it's a weak Yibam that was done, and Shmuel says a weak Yibam, a weak Yibam isn't necessarily going to give her all the rights of marriage. The Gemara is saying Shmuel would agree that if she was already eating Truma, she already had that right to eat Truma by the deceased, just now was interrupted because the husband died. So now when the Yavam does Yibam, even if it's an inferior type of Yibam, a partial Yibam that we're saying, a partial Bia or Bia without Das, Shmuel would concede that once she had been eating Truma originally, she can continue. 
The dispute between Rav and Shmuel is if she's falling to Yibam from a state of Erisin. Meaning, she was only betrothed to her original husband who then died. Remember, there's Yibam, even in Erisin. We've clarified that a couple points in the Mizach. So she's falling from Erisin. So she never had the right to eat Shrimah. Remember, by Torah law, it's true that Arusa has the right to eat Shrimah. She's called the Kenyan Kaspo of the Kohen, that the Torah says that can eat Shrimah. However, by Midrabanon, we say that a woman cannot eat Shrimah until she's actually living with the Kohen. Again, the reason is because Midrabanon, we're scared if she's eating Shrimah at that point, she might feed some of it to her family when she's living back home, who are not calling him. So we say until she actually is living together with the Kohen, she's not allowed to eat Shrimah. So here, she's following Midrabanon, so Midrabanon, she hadn't been eating Shrimah. So Rav Amarachelis, Rav says, but now. Now that Yibam is done, even if it's an inferior type of Yibam, Yibam without Das, or only a partial Bia, she could still eat now. Here the Torah said that for Yibam, even a Bia Shogeg is the same as Mezid. Just as Mezid, when he has Das to make a Kenyan, it becomes a full-fledged wife, everybody would agree. So too, even if it's unintentional, but uh, once the Torah said that Yibam is achieved, so Yibam is achieved. So that's Rav's view. Rav's view is that we're going to look at unintentional Yibam as being just as effective as the intentional Yibam. It's viewed as making a complete wife. So even though she'd never been eating before, uh, but we're going to get a brand new Kenyan in regard to eating Truma that's going to be Chal because of this partial Yibam, this weak, inferior type of Yibam. According to Rav, that's going to work. Shmuel says a very lumdisha point. When, in what aspect did the Torah say that an inferior type of Yibam is effective? To be mokamit in place of the deceased. That is Yibam. Yibam takes whatever marriage was, whatever remnants of marriage are there from the deceased, and it says, now those remnants exist by the Yavam. So whatever existed by the original husband will now be taken over by Yibam to the Yavam. But to make him stronger than the relationship that the deceased himself had, the Torah didn't say, well, we don't see that it can be stronger. So if it was only an Arusa before, and she didn't have the rights to eat Shrimab as an Arusa, so now that she's naifal to Yibam, and an inferior type of Yibam is done, says Shmuel, where she's not going to have the rights to eat Shrimah from, from that inferior Yibam. Because the inferior Yibam, the Torah, yes, it said, that there's a Chalais Kenyan, but it's only Chal to the extent that the original husband had. So if the original husband had an Arusa, then we're going to add, add her only as betrothal. So we're not going to look as the form of Yibam that's being Chal as being stronger than that. So what's coming out now in the first version of the Machlokas is that we know that the Mishnah said, this is the Suya, we know that the Mishnah said inferior type of Yibam is Chal. Even unintentional, even partial Bia is effective. Rav is saying it's effective for all rites of marriage. Not only that Yibam is gone, that the, the Zika is gone, not only that he inherits the estate. But more than that, according to Rav, she has the right to eat Shrimah. She's falling to a Kohen. And that's one of the rights that a girl live, who's married to a coin to eat truma. Rav says she can always eat truma now, even if she hadn't been eating truma by her, by her previous husband, even if she was in a Russo. Because according to Rav, the chiddush of the Torah, that, par, that, that the, the unintentional and partial biyar kona means kona for everything. Shmuel says no. The chiddush of the Torah is only to make it equal to what the original husband had. So if the original husband was only in a Russo, he can the new Yavim will not be able to feed her truma from this inferior biyar. Saying this halacha, Shmuel's lishitasa from something else. Whenever the husband was feeding his wife truma, so then the yavam who does a weak yibam also could continue feeding her. Could also continue to feed her truma. But if the husband, well, the husband was not the original deceased, was not feeding his wife truma, so then the new yavam from an inferior yibam would not be able to as well. And that's exactly the point. If she was in a suah, so she'd been eating by the husband who died, so now. 
now when the oven doesn't inferior even but he takes that over so now she can continue to eat truma but if there was only she was only at arusa so now the oven is doing an inferior yibam we do not have the right to, to, to feed her truma from that and again a very important thing Shmuel would agree that obviously if a regular uh, bia is done with das and a full bia Shmuel would agree she could eat truma and the reason would be because now it's a new marriage 100% it's a full-fledged new marriage the point is when it's only a chalais of yibam when it's a new xeris hakasav that it's a yibam that's being chal but it wouldn't have been working as a regular marriage like it was an unintentional partial via something like that that's where Shmuel is saying that the whole Chiddush of the Torah that was marbid this type of via is only to give it equal to what the original husband had but not to make it stronger right because it could correct because the, the, the point in, the, in this, we're going to see in the second Lashon, that's going to switch. But in the first Lashon, the point is that the inferior Bia, the Shmuel's opinion is, it made it equal to what was by the first husband. You take over what was the first husband. That's the Chiddush of the Torah, but not to make it stronger. So we have a basasho, she's a pikachas. She is full das. And she becomes betrothed to a coin pikeach. To a Kohen who's mentally competent, he's got all of his das. So now Midar Isa, obviously, she could eat Shrimah. Why? Because Midar Isa, the halacha is, as soon as she does Irisin, she's allowed to eat Shrimah. And they both have das, so everything's fine. But what happens? She didn't have the opportunity to go do Nisuin before he became a Cherish. And once he becomes a Cherish, now what's the halacha? So, 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 so there's a problem. You can't, make, you can't make, if you don't have das, you can't really make Nisuin. Even if it's to a woman that he already was, 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 was betrothed to, but this extra next state of Kenyan, of Nisuin, can't, take, can't really take place without Das. Right? That's an important point. So if it can't take place without Das, so then there's no way to legally affect that they're going to become a Nisuin now. Nisuin is the next stage, and that also requires Das. So now that he loses his competence, he becomes a deaf mute and loses his Das before he achieved Nisuin. Even though he's already married to her, he was already betrothed, but he can't really make Nisuin. So what's the law? So then she can't eat. Why? Even if, you know, they go to the chuppah and they do it and they're living together. She can't teach her Why? Because she's legally not really considered a nesua. Why is she not really a nesua? Because what das is going to make that Kenyan? Right? Her husband now doesn't have das. He became a deaf mute. So even if they, they go through the motions, but she's not going to be considered a nesua. She's not going to be considered a nesua. So now Midra she cannot eat. Right? And that's the point. Midra a woman cannot eat trim unless she does nesua. Mais, if let's say he dies, enough with neyavim cherish. Or, and, 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 and now she's falling to even before Yavim was a deaf mute. And he's doing Yibam Ochala. She could eat Shurma. Why? Because a Yibam done by a deaf mute is not worse than when, when there's no Das at all. What did we say? That when there's no Das, you, don't, you could still be Kona. The Torah said that Yibam can be done without Das. So if she's falling in front of the Yavim Cherish, Ochalas, then it's a very interesting irony. She could eat Shurma. In this aspect, the power of the oven is greater and is more than the power of the husband. Why? Because when it's a deaf mute, his bia, the original husband, his bia wouldn't allow her to eat trima because it doesn't affect nisuin. Because a regular woman, not in the context of ibum, you need das to affect nisuin. If you're a cherish, you don't have das, you can't affect the nisuin. Masha'enkin, the yavam, since it's a context of ibum where we don't require das, so if the yavam is doing ibum, so it's a superior power. He could be kona her even without das. And then he would be able to feed her the trimmer. So says the Gemara, Bisham of the Rav Nech, according to Rav, that's great. What do we see? A woman who was not allowed to eat trimmer when she was betrothed to the Kohen, if she falls to the Cheresh, she's going to be able to eat trimmer with the beer that's done. Ah, she wasn't eating before. We don't care. That's Gufa Rav holds. Rav holds that the Yivam can give you greater, even an inferior type of Yivam without Das, can give you the powers of rights of marriage that you didn't have by the deceased. So according to Rav, it's good. Shmuel, it's difficult. Shmuel holds that an inferior Yivam, Yivam without Das, can never give you a new right to eat Shurma. can only keep up the original right of eating Shurma that you had by your husband. So in this case, a woman who was betrothed 
to the deceased, then he dies, and then she's falling now to a Yavam who's a Cheresh, how should she be how should she be allowed to eat from this inferior type of evil? So the Gemara answers, Amalach Shmuel Shmuel will, will, will defend you. Amalach, this is what you have to say the bride's really means. So have the opportunity to marry with Nisuin before you came a deaf mute. Amalach with Shema. She cannot eat Shema. This is because in the original marriage, the Nisuin wasn't Chal, but, and this is where we're almost amending the Brisa, if he married her legally with Das, the Nisuin was Chal, and then only afterwards he became a deaf mute. So the Nisuin was Chal, he was still competent. He only became a Cheresh after the Nisuin, Ochel. Then she could eat Shema, which makes sense because, I mean, with this amendment of the Bryce, it makes sense to say that. Why? Because the Kenyan was already Chal. If he then died and she falls to Yibam before Yavim was a deaf mute and he does Yibam, she can eat Shema. And that's true, even according to Shmuel, because here the inferior Yibam doesn't have to make it stronger than what she had by her husband. It only has to keep up on the same level what she had with her husband. And this amendment that we're making, she was already a nisua to the husband before the husband became a cherish. Umay bazu. So what do we mean in this respect? The power of the yavam is superior. According to what we're saying now, it's not superior. It's just keeping up what was by the husband. So we explained to ilu bal cherish mekarlo Had it been from the start, a deaf mute from the start before nisuin, he wouldn't be able to make her eat truma. Ilu yavam cherish mekarachal. Here she's falling to a yavam, and from the outset he's a cherish, but he still allows her to eat truma. Again, the reason is because she was already eating truma by her deceased husband. But in that regard, there's an aspect that a yavam is greater than a bal. Bal, if you would be a cherish from the outset. He wouldn't allow her to eat Shema. Here, the Yavam, he's the Yavam from the, out, the outset, from the beginning of the Yibam, and he's allowing her to eat Shema. But again, that's all because she was already eating Shema. Okay, says the Gemara, here we get a totally different version. And the first version that we learned again, everybody agrees that she's falling with an Nisuin, and then an inferior Yibam is done, she can continue to eat Shema. The whole Machlokas is that she was knife of Meirisin. Says the Gemara, other people say different. If she falls even from Meirisin, everybody agrees she cannot eat Shema. Even Rav would agree the inferior Yibam cannot make her stronger than she was by her husband. She wasn't eating in her husband's lifetime. So there's no way that the Yibam that's done can be stronger than what was had. Can't be. They argue, oh, she's following Minasuin. Rav says she could eat because she was eating originally before her husband died. Shmuel says she can't eat. In what aspect did the Torah, did the Torah include an inferior type of Yibam? Even when it's done unintentionally, it's like in, done, it's done with Da'as. The Ebishta did it only for the essential laws of Yibam, that he inherits the estate and that the Zika attachment is gone. For all other matters, the inferior type of Yibam is not, at, is not viewed as an act of marriage at all. So therefore, even if she was eating by the original husband, but that does nothing to do with now. Now a yibam was done, but it's not a yibam that's really a full marriage because it was an inferior type of yibam. Inferior type of yibam is not viewed as a regular marriage. So in this version, Shmuel is being so much more machmer. Shmuel is saying an inferior type of yibam, we're going to say she doesn't eat truma even if she fell from nisuin. Says the Gemara, But what about that other statement of Shmuel? That as long as the husband had been, was, was, was feeding his wife Truma, in other words, he had done Nisuin, then the Yavam as well can continue to feed her Truma. So don't we see that if she falls from Nisuin, Shmuel holds that she could continue to eat? So the Gemara says, What Shmuel meant to say is, Any type of Bia, that if the husband would make, it would be a full-fledged marriage, there, if the Yavon would make that type of bia, he can, can, he can, he can give her truma, meaning a type of bia that was done with das. But if it's a type of bia that was done, that a husband would not 
be fully married to his wife with, meaning an unintentional and then even if the Yavim doesn't, even though it's a Chalais Yibam, right? We're saying there's a Kenyan that's Chal, but it wouldn't be able to feed her Truma. And again, what's the reason? Because according to Shmuel, the Chiddush that the Torah gave to be Marba, the Bia Shogay Kamezid, is only for the Dvar Mahmur of Parsha, for the essential laws of Yibam, but not for the full state of marriage. All right, so now what are we going to do with this bride? So, Mezfei, what, what, what bride did we just have? Remember this case. The, 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 the daughter of Yisrael, she has Das, and she gets, she gets in, uh, betrothed to a, to a Kohen who has Das. But he didn't have the opportunity to marry with Nisuin before he becomes a deaf mute. She can't eat Shrimah. Why? Because the Nisuin was never Chal. Nisuin needs Das, and Das wasn't there. She can't eat until Nisuin. But what happened if he died and she falls even before Yavim was a cherish and he does even mechel? She could eat trimmel. In this respect, the power of the Yavim is greater than the power of the husband. That was the bride. Rav can justify it the way we justified it before. Remember, in the first lashon when we went through this, we explained that the case was we amended the bride. So we said that the case was that the Yavim, that the original husband did nisuin while he still had das. Then he became deaf. She was already eating. Now she and 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 if now she falls to a to a to a, to a brother who's a cherish. So we say she can continue to eat. So if, if, even though he's doing an inferior type of yibum, but the, this yavam is only keeping up what originally was by the original husband. So that's how Rav would defend, like we defend before. The Shmuel Kashmir, the Shmuel is difficult because in the second version of Shmuel, even where a woman was originally eating, even if she's not woman on a suin, but if an inferior type of yibum is done, she cannot continue to eat truma. So how are we going to explain this law? That when a cherish is going to do even, she could eat shrima. A cherish never has das. The Gemara says kasha. You're right. It's difficult. The Gemara doesn't reject it. The Gemara just says it's difficult. But it would seem that it's difficult on this second lashon of Shmuel. Now we get into another brayzer here. Tanur Rabbanu Basis Rabbi the same law that we've been saying. So she is competent. She's betrothed to a Kohen who's competent. She can and she can eat trimum and And then what happened was before the Nisuin, he becomes a Kheresh. So even if they go through the motions of Nisuin, she can't eat because she's not really considered a Nisua because there was no Das at this point. However, let's say a child is born. Again, they're living together, right? So they're having Bia, they're intimate with one another, and then she gets pregnant. Ochelas, now she could eat truma. What's the pshat? Because there's another law, we're going to focus on a lot of this in the second half of the Mesechta. There's another law that when a girl marries a Kohen, she could eat truma because she's married. But then there's another law. Whenever somebody has a child from a Kohen, they're able to eat truma because of the child. The Pasuk says, We say there's a trash of Yahilu, that the children of a Kohen can cause their mother to eat Shrimah. Let's say the Kohen passed on, but he, and the, the wife still has children from the Kohen, she can continue to eat. So in this case, even though she never had Nisuin with the Kohen, but as long as she has children from the Kohen, she can continue to eat. Because she can eat, because the children will be feeding her. But what if the child dies? Reb Nassim says somehow she could still eat Shrimah. Why? Because of her husband. Which is strange, because the husband never had Nisuin. We'll have to understand. Chacham says she can't eat. And obviously the Gemara wants to know, my time is Reb Nassim. What's the Pshad in Reb Nassim? Because she already ate. When the child was alive, she was eating. So once she ate, she can continue eating. Says the Gemara, what kind of svar is that? Let's say the daughter of Yisrael marries a coin. And the coin dies without children. Can she continue to eat shrimah because she already ate? Is there a law that once you have the right to eat shrimah, it's forever? There's no such law. As soon as the husband dies, so... so the Kedusha goes away from the wife and she can't eat Truma. While she was married to the Kohen, she could. After he dies, she can't. So too when the kid, as soon as the kid dies, so the right for the mother to eat Truma should go away. 
So what in the world is Rabbah talking about? Rabbah is saying up it's a svara that since she already ate, she can continue to eat. What kind of svara is that? She was never again. What's the case? The, the husband she never had a legal nesuin with because he was a cherish. Then she had a kid. Okay, so out the kid, she could eat. Once the kid dies, so she has no right to eat anymore. What kind of svara is that? That since she was eating, she can continue to eat. Well, there's no such svara. Rab Nasan holds that the Nisuin of a Cheresh actually allows his wife to eat Shema. Unbelievable. He holds that even though there's no Das, and even though it's not a legal Nisuin, but the bottom line is, is that they're living together. And as long as they're living together, as long as they're living together, then, uh, then, then she's allowed to eat. How can we understand that? We have to remember. Midara Isa, this is a very important point. Midara Isa, a woman who's betrothed already has the right to eat Truma. The Torah says, Kenyan Kaspo could eat Truma. What's Kenyan Kaspo? A woman who's in Scottish with Kasef. As soon as the condition takes place, she could eat Truma. It's all Midara that she shouldn't eat Truma because we're concerned she might feed it to her family because she's still living with her family. But once she moves in with her husband, even if it's not a technical new law of Nisuin, because now he's a Cherish, but Lamaisa, there's no Xera that she might be feeding the Truma to her family because she's living with the Cherish. So Reb Nassan has of the opinion that even though he's a cheresh, since he's living with him at this point, and the kedushin was done when he was still competent, so therefore she could eat truma. So she's not really eating truma because of the kid. She's eating truma because of the husband. We don't decree that Nesui cheresh shouldn't eat up to a case where, she, where, where he was a cheresh when the kedushin. If he was a cheresh when he was a kedushin, of course she can't eat because it was never Kenyan Kaspa. Nothing ever started. Here, the Kenyan Kaspa was good. El, my roommate, Xayr, don't eat because you might feed your family. Now I'm moved in with the cheresh, no problem. Reb Nassim doesn't make such a decree. So why do we speak about a kid being born? The way we're saying it has nothing to do with the kid, right? Even when the kid dies, she's eating because of the husband. So why do we speak about the kid? So the Mara says, you're right, because of the rabbi's opinion. The rabbi's opinion is that we don't allow her to eat because of the Nisuin with the Cheresh. It's only because of the kid. And we're bringing out that if there was a kid born, she could eat because of the kid. Says the Gemara, so Rabbi Nassim should have argued on the Rabbanon in the Resha, meaning why is he disagreeing only in the case after the kid died? He should have argued on the Rabbanon right away. The Rabbanon said, that when the Cherish does the suin, she can't eat. The Rabbanan should say, he could. He let the Rabbanan finish their whole statement, and then he argued with them. So the first thing was only the Rabbanan. If it's really all the Rabbanan statements, so the rabbi should have spoken first. It should have said when the kid dies, the rabbi say she can't eat, and Reb Nassim says she could. It's interesting. It said when, 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 when the kid dies, Reb Nassim says she could eat, and then the rabbi. So it's Mashmar, the Reb Nassim is speaking first, and he agreed to everything that was said before, and we're saying that's not true. We're saying that Reb Nassim, even without a kid, right away, when the Cherish moves in with her and they're, and they're, they're playing house, even though it's not legal in the suin, but they're playing house, she could eat Jumma. So the Mara says, Kasha, you're right, it's a difficulty in Rabbi Yosef's explanation, but Lamaisa, that's what we're buying. So we're coming out over here, an interesting thing, Midaraisa, a betrothed woman to a coin can eat truma, Midarabana, she can't eat until she's in Nesua. What happens if it's in Nesua and Avacheresh, that's a dispute between Rabbi Nassim and Rabbana. But everybody would agree that if there's a child, while the child is alive, the child from the coin would allow his mother to eat. Continues the Gemara, Rechinabal, Achtamikalarayis. The Mishnah continued when we were talking about Hara. It said the same thing is true with anyone who's bowl any of the Arayas, right? The same halacha, no matter what type of inferior bia is done, it's still your over on the Averis. Amar of Sheshes, Hamil Samlan, Amar of Amram. Hamil Samlan, Rav Sheshes, there was something Rav Sheshes told us. He opened up our eyes from learning the Mishnah. He was able to prove his point. So let's just go through a tiny bit of introduction here. What's the general law about a sota? The Torah says 
that a woman who is mezana, there's a law that she's not allowed to be with her husband. Aisha says she's mezana, she's an adulterer, she can't be with her husband. So the Torah speaks about that in different terms. First of all, the Torah says that there's a certain tumah, there's a certain contamination. And that's an Isra essay the Torah in Parshas Nelson speaks about. But more than that, the Parshas, in Parshas Kisaitse, the Torah speaks about it in terms of a lav. There's a prohibition of a lav. It says that after a woman has become tameh, it's forbidden for her husband to be with her. The Pasuk includes even a case where he divorced her and she even married somebody else. But certainly, if she was Mazana while they were married, there's a Tumah and the Torah says that there's a love for the husband to take her back. Those things are obvious. Now, what if the woman was raped as opposed to being an adulteress willingly? So the law we learn, we learn from the world's V'yilo Nisbasa, the Han Nisbasa if a woman was raped, she's allowed to be with her husband. However, there's an exception to that. We've dodged him from the Pasuk, the wife of a Kohen who was raped is not allowed to be with her husband. Okay, so we have to understand exactly what the scope of that is there is, but that's definitely the background. She's not allowed to be with her husband. Another point is that there's something called a zona. The Torah says that when a woman does a type of illegal bill, we'll have to define what exactly it is, she becomes a zona, and a woman who's a zona is not allowed to marry a Kohen. Yeah, that's a law in the Torah. A Kohen cannot marry someone who's defined as being a zona. So what happens? You have an Ace Israel, a woman is married to a non-Kohen, and she was raped. So, it's mama, she, it's Aisha's ish, but she was raped. It was against her will. And she's muttered to her husband. Even though she's muttered for her to stay with her husband, in the future she cannot marry a Kohen. Meaning, she can't eat truma. Let's say she's a Kohen's daughter and she got divorced or widowed from the Israel husband or she wants to marry a Kohen sometime in the future in her life after she gets out of this marriage. She cannot go to a Kohen. Interesting halach. Because the Bia didn't answer her on her husband. But it's going to answer on the Kohen. Why is that a Chiddush? Well, the reason it's a chiddush is because the bia did not her. Now, when a woman is married to a kohen and she is raped, the Torah says we indicate in Torah indicates she's also her husband. Here, she's married to a yisrael and she's not becoming also on her husband. But what we're saying is, in the future, it will forbid her to 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 kahuna. We can see this way from our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, The same laws are true for someone who's under the rise in the Torah, Opsulos, or for someone who's Pasul Kahuna. So, what do we mean the same law applies? That any type of Bia affects her in the same way. A woman becomes disqualified from Bia in the same way, whether the Bia was Peshogeg, Ba'ones, it doesn't make a difference. That's exactly what the Mishnah is saying. The same way by Yibam, it doesn't make a difference whether it's a, a strong Bia or an inferior Bia done with Das or without Das. So too, the disqualifications for Kuhuna come, whether it was done willingly or not. That's exactly what the Mishnah is saying. That a woman becomes disqualified even from a Bia that she does without Das. So even if she did it without Das, she, she was raped. It was against her will, but she's always going to become disqualified from Kahuna. Says the Gemara, it's not necessarily proof. Lo, my It's only going on the point of the of the hara, the beginning of the of, of the of the relations. That the same way that, that that's Kona and Yibam, that would disqualify her from marrying a coin. But maybe that's all if she did it willingly. We don't necessarily know that that aspect of the inferiority, that if it was done unintentionally without das, that that, that we say that, that the Yibam is Kona. We don't know that that applies to disqualification for Kahuna as well. But says the Gemara, what kind of hara are we talking about? In the case of harais, that wouldn't make sense because then what would the mission be saying? The same way hara is quoted by Yibum, so too hara is usher by all harais. That would sound like we know it primarily by Yibum and then we're applying it over to, to, to harais. But it's the opposite. But how do we learn the drushes? It said it by harais and we learned Yibum from harais. The source is really Baharayas. So if it's talking about Hara, then it doesn't really make sense because the, the, the law of Yibam is something derived from the laws that were said in Arias. So the Mishra shouldn't say, you're Kona Bihara Yibam, and so too by Arias. That would sound like Arias is like, is, is, is like secondary, and the primary thing is Yibam. 
Really, the primary source is Bayerayas, and we learn Yibam from there. So it doesn't make sense to say that the Vechein, that what the Mishnah is saying so too, that that's going on Hara. So the Gemara says, Elamai Vechein, Maybe it means on an unnatural relations, right? Be in the wrong place, where we say that the same way that's going to be Yibam, it's also Bayerayas. But the same thing, Adarab, Iker Mishkevei Yisha Bayerayas, because if the primary source that, 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 that unnatural uh, Bia is considered the same as natural Bia is said Bayerayas. We just derive Yibam from there. So the Gemara says, And you're right. It's going on Shalokadarka of a Chayve Lavin. A Shalokadarka of a Chayve Lavin is not learned from Arayas, but rather it's learned as a derivation from, from Yibam. So that's what we're defending. Bottom line is, we're not so positive that an inferior via done without Das disqualifies a woman from Kuna. We're not positive, that's true. Maybe if a woman was raped, while well, she was married to a non-Kohen, in the future, if she gets out of that relationship, maybe she couldn't marry a Kohen. Maybe she, maybe she could. She's not a Zona. She was not, it's not a Toma. It was done against her will. Again, of course, if a woman is married currently to a Kohen when she's raped, she's Asr. But maybe if she was currently married to Israel and the Bia didn't Asr her, then maybe in the future she could marry a Kohen. When the Mishnah was saying the same law for Ayyibam applies over to, uh, uh, applies over to disqualifications, it was only referring to Shalok Kedarka, a Bia Shalok Kedarka of Chayvei Lavin, which is derived from Yibam over to, uh, over to Chayvei Lavin. That's what the Mishnah was referring to. But it wasn't referring to a state of an inferior Bia. Well, I think what we're saying is it says at the end, You see in the Mishnah, it said, And we're saying that that's the aspect that we're continuing. But maybe we're not continuing the, the, bia, the, 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 the bia done without Das. All right, so now the Gemara says we're going to get some other Amoram weighing in on this issue. Amoraba. So, so I just want to clarify. Until now, the Sugya has been specific because she's been married to a Yisrael. She's been married to a Yisrael, so when she's raped, she's permitted to her husband. We try to understand if there's an impact from that in the future to a Kohen. That's what has been until now. The Gemara said maybe yes, maybe not. We've defended. Now the Gemara moves on. An Aisha's Kohen is raped, meaning she's currently married to a Kohen. It's a different case. And now she's violated. So certainly she's not allowed to remain with her husband. We know that because the Torah indicates, it's, a, it's an implication, that this law, that, that when a woman is raped, she can remain with her husband, is only true for certain cases, not all cases. And we say it's referring to an Aisha's Kohen. She's the one who cannot stay with her husband. But... Now Rabbi says a much bigger Chiddush. If the Kohen remains with her, he gets lashes for sleeping with a Zaina. Now that's a tremendous Chiddush. Because she was raped. She, become, she became a Zaina. The Torah says, So an adulteress, if she did it willingly, would become a woman who strayed. It would become a Zona. But what we're saying is, the Torah says, that she becomes usher to her husband and she's not subject to the header of the fact that she was raped. So then the Torah is saying there's no difference if she was raped or not. So then, she, that means she's a zona. So it's a bigger chiddush, that there's lashes for sleeping with her al zaina. Of course we know he shouldn't be with her. That we know. The chiddush from Rabbah is that at Kama the Torah says he shouldn't be with her and we're not saying there's a header because she was raped and that means she's defined as a zaina as well. So the Gemara first cleans up. Mishim zaina in, mishim tuma lo. You mean there's only zona and not tuma? Meaning, if you're telling me there's, there's Zona, then like, certainly there should be Tumah. Remember, there's another Pasuk in Parshas Kisese that says that after a woman commits adultery, she's an adulteress, her husband's not allowed to be with her because of the Tumah. And that's a general law. If a woman is willingly Mizana, 
Even in Eishas Yisrael, he has a lava of sleeping with her because of the Tumah. So if we're saying now that when Eishas Kohen is raped, she's a Zona, so, and what about the lava of Tumah? So the Gemara says, yeah, of course, for Tumah. I meant, first of all, there's a lava of Tumah, and second of all, there's a lava of Zona. So that's what's going on here. Let me just again clarify these points. When an Eishas Yisrael is raped, she's permitted. The Torah said she's permitted. The Torah indicates that that permission of a woman who is raped to remain with her husband doesn't apply to a Kohen. Rabbah takes a very extreme view. If it doesn't apply, then it's treated as if it was done willingly. Just as when a woman is Mazana willingly, there's a law for her husband to be with her. There's lashes for her husband to be with her because of the law of Tumah from Parshas Gizetze. And in addition, Rabbah says, and if it's a Kohen, he's also going to have the law of Zona. So you have potentially 80 lashes going on here. You have the lashes for the lava. There's a tumah, and there's also a lava of isha zonula yikach. Says the Gemara, Matzarev Zerav Elon is pasah asura. The Torah says that when a woman was not forced. That's where she's also to remain with her husband. This is the source that we say if a woman was raped, she's permitted to remain with her husband. That's the normal case of an Asian Israel. And the diuk, this is the, the way we know that a Kohen is different. There's another case where since it says she, it's mashma that there's a type of woman where even though she's raped, she's still usher with her husband. What is that case? Asian Kohen is the wife of a Kohen. A wife of a Kohen, the Torah is implying, is usher to be with her, with her husband even after she's raped. So again, the whole thing comes from an implication. It's really an implication from an implication. The first Torah says a woman who's Mazana is also to be with her husband. It's mashma that if she was raped, it's permitted. And it's mashma that had their rape is only in certain cases, not all cases. And we say that's an Asia's coin. So this whole thing, an implication, when you have something which is inferred from an essay, what is that? That's not an Isra, that's not an Avera. What is that? All that is, is an essay. It's not a lav. So what are we trying to say? How can you tell me that there's lashes for Tumah and lashes for Zaina? How could that be? The Torah only told me that an Asia's Kohen who was raped is also to her husband. It's a diuk. It's an implication from a pasuk. It's not, how do I know to say that there's lashes? So I'm a rabbi. Because the truth is, in Svara, we would have said that whenever a woman is an adulteress, even if it was done unwillingly, she would have been included in his own category. Meaning, if not for the Torah saying, logically, we would have said that even when a woman is raped, she'd be also on her husband. When the Torah told me a new chiddish, that when she's raped, she's permitted, in regard to a wife of a coin, I assume that she should be just as you would have thought originally. This is the methodology that Rabbah is saying. Rabbah is saying like this. Take a step back here. Without the scriptural decree that when a woman is raped, she's muttered to her husband, what would you have said in Svara? There's no difference rape or not rape. Whatever happens is treated as if it's the same. So she's an Asha Sis, she's a Zayn. The Torah told you a Chiddush that by an Asha Israel, when she's raped, it's mutter. The Torah implied that new Chiddush doesn't apply to Asha's going. So how does it now, the law now manifest itself? It manifests itself the same way you would have thought originally. The same way originally you would have thought to make no difference, whether it was Ba'ones or Baratzon, so too now. Even though the Torah indicated an exception that, that a woman who's violated is mother for Eishas Yisrael. Once the Torah tells you that doesn't apply to Eishas Kohen, that means Kedekaima Kaima. Then it's the way you would have thought originally, and there's a lot. And I can't emphasize how strong this is. A woman who's raped, that she should become us around her husband, it sounds like from the Gemara, it's really a wild Zeres HaKasuf, that Eishas Yisrael is mother. In Svara, she, it's, she's an adulteress. If there's a lav in the Torah to be with an adulteress, then in Svara, 
it sounds like without the Xeris Akasa, Vilo Nespasa Asura, Onespasa Mutares, in Svar we would have said she, there's a Tom, there's a Tomanazona. So if in Svar we would have said that, even though we're looking at a new Xeris Akasa that said by Ashes Israel doesn't apply, Adkama the Torah says by Ashes Kohen don't apply the Xeris Akasa. So then it's Kitakaima Kaima. What does Kitakaima Kaima mean? The same way you would have thought intuitively that there's a love, it's, it's Traka too by Ashes Kohen. And that's a very big Kiddush. It's hard to understand how in Svara, a woman who was raped should become Asra on her husband. What should she have done? It's a very hard thing to understand. It's a very hard thing, but that's what I kind of see in the methodology of the Gemara. The approach here is, Misvara, when she commits adultery, she's Asra. And there would have been a lav of Tum and a lav of Zaina. Elamai, the Torah said, Vilun is possible Asura, and it's possible with Taras. Say there, but Akama, the Torah indicates that doesn't apply to a Ashish Kayin. So could the Kaima Kaima, the Svara tells us there should be now the lav of Zaina and lav of Tum. On the ramification, right? 100. percent We're not saying she's a bad person. 100. percent That's a true point. We're not saying whether we're not saying about whether we should put her to death. Even in Asia's Cohen, he's raped. We don't put her to death. We're not saying she's a bad person. But but the Torah is talking about the ramification. Says the Gemara, Ika da Amri, a different lashon. Amar Abba, Asia's Cohen has a bal lokem mishum tuma. And the Ika da Amri, we're not saying she's a zayna. We're only saying that the bal gets lashes because of tuma. The pasuk in Parshas Kisaitz, the woman is an adulteress. The love of tuma is there. Says more, Mishim Tuma in Mishim Zona Lo. There's only a lav of Tuma, but not the lav of Zona. What's the Yisrael above Onus Lagarin by Zona? A woman can't be considered a Zona for an act that happened against her will. A Zona is not an automatic ramification. A Zona is something because she strayed. She that's what the, the terminology comes from. So it doesn't make sense to label her as a Zona if she did a bit of Onus. The whole way we know the Asia's coin is also because it's a lav of Bamakalaseh. Lav of Bamakalaseh says, How could you tell me there's a lav of, of Tumah? The whole way I know it's also is only from the implication. So if it's only from an implication, it, should, it shouldn't be lashes. In Svara, you would say that even a woman who committed adultery unwillingly, she would have been included in the lav. Just the Torah told you an exception. The Torah told you if she was forced, then it's mutter. The call to Eishes Kohen, the Kaima Kaima. And regard to Eishes Kohen, it's the way that it stood. So all that's changing between the first lashon and second lashon is whether we apply this to, 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 to give lashes for Zona as well. But everybody is agreeing that Eishes Kohen Shenenso. What is the law? Her husband gets Malkus for Tuma. That's what's clear. There's a Machlokas. The first lashon said even Malkus for Zona. The second lashon is saying no Zona. I don't have a woman only be, is labeled as a Zona for something that she does willingly. Something done unwillingly, you're not labeled as a zona. That's a slight distinction that's made between the first lashon and the second lashon. But everybody agrees that there's a lav of Tumah. But again, the first Gemara that we learned was speaking about a different point, where an Ashish Yisrael is raped and she's permitted to her husband, in the future she, should be, she is allowed to be with her husband. Which now, when light of the second Gemara, the first Gemara is a big Chiddush. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're saying she might even be a zona she was married to a Kohen and that happened. But since at the time when the Bia happened, it was done while she was in Ashish Yisrael and she was permitted to her husband, therefore she's permitted forever to be with a Kohen. Even though if that same act of Bia would happen while she was married to a Kohen, what would the law be? She might even be a zona. So it's really a very big Chiddush, the first Gemara. Okay, we'll stop here. Tomorrow's uh, some new sugya.